why does my voice sound like this? Tune in next week to find out why. But for now, let's take a trip back to healthier times when Brett and I discussed my trip to Texas Frightmare Weekend and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. the swear wolves i'm brett i'm david david hey buddy how you doing what's going on jet setter <laughs> not Mr. a whole oh, lot look at me i travel all over the place every weekend i'm going someplace oh mm-hmm. so busy and important uh david you just got back from texas frightmare weekend texas frightmare weekend is that what it's yeah called? i think that's what's the official name texas frightmare yeah how how was that you uh, went by yourself i oh, did poor babies. i know all all alone did you feel weird yeah, they let me go up in the cockpit though, and they gave me one of those little airplane pins. I was flying by myself. It's pretty cool. You sat on the uh, lap of the yeah. pilot. <laughs> He's and like, David, do you like gladiator films? So, yeah, we reenacted scenes from Airplane. It was actually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which is crazy. He was there. He was there. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie, um, the last Bruce Lee movie, Game of Death? Long time ago. So it's pretty shitty because they finished it. He died while they were filming it, yeah. so they had to like edit things. But he did do the fight scene with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, that's like right. all the fight scenes, I think were already done. Right. It's awesome because it's like, dude, Game of Death is like Mortal fucking combat. <laughs> it's like he goes to this pagoda, yeah, like fucking place, and he has like three or four different levels of people he's got to fight, and each person has their own unique uh, ability, and so he's got to adapt his fighting style to, like, it's pretty cool. beat their ass. And so the top one is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he's, like, 11 feet tall, <laughs> and Bruce Lee was, like, five foot five. Yeah, he was a little fella. And uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like, kicks him, and then he's got this big footprint on his chest. <laughs> it's pretty fucking nice. awesome. If, if you haven't ever seen Game of Death, don't see it. Because it's really bad because uh, the stuff that they filmed after he died is like they had like um, an actor replacing him, but they like pasted his, they like literally cut and pasted a face over the top. So it's like oh. not following his face. It's just staying still. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> it sucked. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, so you went to Texas Frightmare. Yeah. So I flew in uh, on Friday and then... Um, I was staying at a hotel that was a couple miles from the venue, so I, I took an Uber down there, and I was, you know, tried to get there like I think like a, an hour and a half or so before the doors opened, just in case there was a line. Did you figure it was going to be busy? Yeah, and uh, man, I should have got there even earlier because the line, like I shit you not, this was at the Irving Convention Center, so a different venue than last year, a bigger, okay. bigger venue, better venue. Um, yeah, the line was snaked all the way around the convention center into the parking garage and then weaved in and out of the parking garage it was that's nuts. fucking dumb like i was at a point where i was just barely in the parking garage which was kind of nice because it was shaded mm-hmm. so that part was cool so who were the big guests john carpenter john carpenter was the big one and i saw a ton of john carpenter stuff like mm-hmm. uh, people you know were wanting to get signed and i think they did like a lottery type thing to get well i think if you had vip on friday i th- think you could get him they had like a special time where it was like vips only that could go get his autograph and then like on saturday i think you actually had to like show up at the box office when it opened and they all probably line up hours early to get a ticket to to meet him do you remember when we met him and we were vips and we just cut we just walked walked right up there it was fucking awesome it was fucking awesome yeah (laughs) so yeah i was like i'm not gonna meet john carpenter he uh, he was not on my list at all uh, and i'm well, sure we went his, and saw him. i'm sure his line was ridiculous he was on a completely different floor well he is on a different level than everybody he else. is but when we went and saw him we cut in front of everybody and there's this guy in the line next to us and he was probably like four deep 
So yeah. he, he had to wait for us though. And he goes, Oh, look at these guys, the VIPs. And we're all, we're like Wayne and Garth. Yeah. Showing our backstage fucking- passes. Hey everybody. <laughs> we're just going right up to the front. Yeah, uh, he was like a big King guest. Shoot. You know, I have underestimated the popularity of the Terrifier movies. Dude, I saw Jesus. so many Art the Clown t-shirts and people dressed like him. And uh, his line was I'm gonna pretty tell long. You, hot take. Hot take from Brett. You ready for this one, David? I yeah. I think you probably agree. I do actually. know. <laughs> um, Terrifier 2, not that good. I didn't like it either. And I don't really like the first one, if I'm being honest. The first one was better than the second one. Yeah, they're both um, just okay. But the second one was just gross, just for gross sakes. Yeah. And I'm all for gruesomeness in movies. I like good, like, solid kills and, and grotesque kills and stuff. Um, but it, well, A, that was what they want. That's what they did mostly with Terrifier 2. And B, it was like, none of it, it didn't really make sense. Yeah, I want some sort of coherent story. And neither of those movies really deliver on that. There is no story. We we don't know anything about art the clown it's like we don't care see that here's the thing all right we're gonna get sidetracked here david (laughs) that never happens let's talk about the three big slasher movies right halloween nightmare on elm street friday the 13th all right halloween yes there's some shitty halloween entries Uh, don't get me wrong but we know even for not knowing a lot about michael in the first one like all we knew was that he was a kid what the fuck happened to him why is he he fucking possessed we don't yeah yeah we don't know all this but we at least know where he's coming from so we kind of quote unquote care we don't care about him he's a fucking killer right right we know jason Voorhees has a backstory same with jason freddie freddie has a backstory we might not know all of it but by the end of the movie we're like okay we pretty much got it he was a fucking child killer um the whole all the parents hunted him down killed him now he haunts him in their dreams we know this what do we know about art the clown he's a creepy looking fucking clown well a lot of clowns are creepy looking and he likes to kill people in fucking gruesome and grotesque ways yeah, and he's got some sort of supernatural element uh, to him. but Yeah, and then, he, and then we're going to introduce a little girl clown, and then there's going to be this fucking howdy-doody show. That <laughs> fucking, I don't know, but people love they do. to get back and, to your And especially play. younger people. I mean, the new generation oh of horror fans. Like I saw a lot of younger people wearing Art the Clown stuff, but um, his line, um, what's his name, David, David Howard Thornton? His line was long mm-hmm. uh, every time I walked by it. Um, same with the director. And then another one... That surprised me, but didn't surprise me as far as his popularity was John Kassir, uh, the Crypt Keeper. Like his line uh-huh. was super long the entire time I was there. That's good to hear because I remember when we met him, like his line wasn't that long. He was kind of back in a corner um, at uh, Mad Monster, I think. Yeah, it was. yeah. He was all the way in the corner. And his line was like, I mean, I mean it was never empty, but not busy. But yeah, his yeah. line was busy. And then the one that surprised me the most And I shouldn't be surprised because I've seen this guy at other shows and he always has a long line and I just don't get it. Is that David Sheridan guy, Doofy from Scary Movie? Like, why the fuck is that guy's line crazy long? I don't get it. I don't get get it at all. He was in one of the Scary Movies movies. And what else has he done? I mean, I'm sure he's done plenty, but it's like. And then he always dresses up as that Doofy character. Yeah. It's like. I, I understand that people think that character is funny. I don't particularly think that. In fact, I think Scary Movie 1 is is inferior to Scary Movie 2. But I don't like that character. I think uh, yeah, you know, I you're don't. making fun of mentally challenged exactly. people. I mean, it's like, that's low-hanging fruit. Exactly. Uh, and it's not even like, it's not even ripe fruit anymore. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's fruit. just, it's tired. I don't, I yeah. don't understand it. But yeah, his line was ridiculous. Um, but anyway, I wasn't there to meet any of those people. So I only had, this was one of those shows where like the guest list was a lot of people that you and I have already met. So even though there was a lot of good people on there, there was really only a few that I was there uh, to get. So the first one that I got once I went in uh, was Richard Masser. Once they let everybody in, all the the quote unquote like major guests, their lines were getting really cued. So Master, I think there was maybe only five or six people in front of me. Uh, but he was yeah. super nice. He signed my poster. He signed my Petri dish that I had in the little poster. And he was like, oh, man, you got a lot of signatures. And I, and I he's like, oh, you got Wilford Brimley on here. And he's like, oh, he's like, who do you need? He's like, you need T.K. Carter. And I was like, and I need um, uh, Kurt Russell. And he's like, ha, yeah, you're not going to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> so did I, I told you about my friend who lives in Aspen, right? Yeah, yeah. And he... See, he was messaging me. We have a friend from high school and we were messaging each other on Instagram one day. And I was like, yeah, I need, uh, Oh no. He messaged me. He's like, Hey, do you want to go 
I can't make it to this comedy show in New York. I have tickets. They'll be waiting for you in New York City. Do you, can you go? Because I know you're close. And by close, like within driving distance. And I was like, uh, no, I can't make it. And he was like, oh, I was supposed to meet up. Um, my friend is friends with, uh, I want to say Wyatt Russell, but it's, it's somebody. It's some mm-hmm. one of Kurt Russell's like fucking kids or some shit. And, um, he, we were supposed to meet up with him, but my, my friend had broken his leg or some shit. I don't remember exactly what happened. He just Dumbass. And, and, and I couldn't go. Uh, not that I would have met up with him. Right. Not that I was going to be like, Hey, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm here. you don't know me, <laughs> but I was like, Oh, that's crazy that your friend is friends with, uh, Kurt Russell's kid. I go, cause, uh, I need his signature on my <laughs> thing poster. And he goes, well, dot, dot, dot. And then like about five minutes later, I got, uh, uh, another message from him and he's like, I see him all the time. Uh, cause he comes up here, uh, you know, to go skiing or whatever. He yeah. goes up to Aspen, like, uh, like in the winter time or I don't, I don't know exactly when I'm assuming in the winter time, but, um, that's where they spend a lot of time at. And he's like, I see him all the time. He's like, I've talked to him before. I was like, fuck. I'm going to mail you my poster and get him to sign it. Well, <laughs> no, because I don't know if I trust that guy as far as I could throw him, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like the relationship probably isn't like that. Then it would just be weird. Yeah, exactly. I'm, if I'm ever in Aspen, if I'm ever going to be in Aspen, I'll just message that dude and be like, hey, is Kurt Russell around? Because we did meet a guy in uh, Ohio uh, when we were at um, Cincinnati. Um, oh yeah, they year. got Kurt Russell's autograph, but like, he, and, like basically knew where he was going to be and just mm-hmm. happened to be there at the same time. And that's basically what Richard Masser said. He's like, your only chances really of getting Kurt are just to bump into him or find out where he's going to be and get his autograph. Although Kurt Russell was doing a wine tasting or some yeah. shit event. He even mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But he's like conventions and stuff. He's like, you're not going to get Kurt Russell. No, he's not going to be at a convention. No. Not anytime soon, at least. Yeah. But anyway, Richard Master, a uh, really, really nice guy. And then after that, I walked over. I got Joe Polis, who we've met before, but uh, neither of us have him on our, our original one sheets. So I added him. We do now. We do now. Uh, he was really cool. And then just like the first time we met him, he has at his table, and he must take it to all the shows, like a, a photo book of like all these photos that he took while he was on uh location shooting the thing yeah. so he's got all this behind the scenes stuff like stuff from the set and like candids of just them hanging out um just really cool and you can just flip through the the book and then i, I was talking to him about that and he said that uh you know, people keep telling him he's like i the people keep telling me i need to write a book and i was like yeah dude you totally should like do a picture book or something or yeah put all these photos together and kind of tell yeah. your story what we should do david now that we're not going to be doing this podcast anymore we should put together uh uh, a documentary about the thing because they haven't like like they did with uh never sleep again or crystal yeah, memories yeah. or something do a long i think one. you could do a documentary about the thing and interview a bunch of these guys uh, you know well they're still kicking i mean because because some of these guys are older yeah yeah they're all getting up there thankfully they're they're not dead but you know <laughs> nobody gets any younger nobody lives forever exactly uh but um and then after him i went over and i talked to uh ed gwynn who was in Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. Massacre. He's the the cattle truck driver at the end of the first movie. And then he's also got a bit part in part two as the chili cook-off judge. So I brought my original um, part two poster, had him sign that. Uh, he was really nice. He was like, hey, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I, I came in from Phoenix. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. And then like he's got a really heavy Texas accent. And I was like, you're from Texas, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was a really nice uh nice guy to that talk dude to. is the guy that dude's character is the guy i messaged you about it. he throws a wrench and yeah hits him right in the face <laughs> square between the eyes knocks yeah, his ass hey, down and that's when got uh, something Gunner on your face like, yep. <laughs> that's when he cuts his leg with the chainsaw and gunner hansen like actually did like burn his leg doing oh, that he? scene yeah yeah oh that's cool yeah <laughs> Anyway. And yeah, then after it, that, I was basically done. Like, those were the only three people that I was there for. <laughs> so I just walked around, and um, they had a lot of good vendors, um, just a bunch of random stuff. And then I found a couple different people that had really nice vintage movie poster collections. One in particular had so many, it was, like, overwhelming. Like, I would go through it, and I'd be like, oh, my God, that one's amazing. Oh, my God, that one's amazing. English, America, like, like because I've seen a lot yeah, of them. Yeah, American folded one sheets. Yeah, and all of them were in really good condition. Um, and he had like some super rare ones. 
and all of them were priced very well. Like I could have dropped a ton of money there, uh, but I was like, what oh my God. The, what were some of the rare ones? I mean, like you and I both have original Friday the 13th part one uh, posters. Yeah. You had a couple of those and they were priced at like 125 bucks or 150 bucks. That's a good price. Yeah. He had original creep show posters for 200. I think those are usually about 400. He had an original Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. That one was like 650 bucks or so. Which is a lot of money, but that's a pretty good price for that particular exactly. poster. Exactly. And then, you know, like original Nightmare on Elm Street, all sorts of cool stuff. So that's I was awesome. looking at a couple of different things. I was like, I'm probably going to get something. So I was real close to getting Creep Show because Tom Savini was there. I was like, I could just walk over and get Tom Savini to sign this. But then I was like, oh, I found an original Christine one sheet. And it was like perfect condition. Uh, and it was 100 bucks. So I was like, that is more than fair uh, for this particular mm-hmm. poster, especially for the shape that it's in. And there were a few people from Christine that were there. So I was like, well, shit. So I bought all it. All the bullies, right? All yeah. the bullies. Yeah, all the bullies. Christine. Well, three of them. So then yeah. I, I took the poster and just whoop, walked right over to where they were. They were doing like a photo op or something. So none of them were there. So I just lingered like a creeper, just waiting for them <laughs> to come back. And uh, the first guy that came back um, was William... Uh, Ostrander or Ostrander, I'm not sure how to say his name, but uh, he's the guy that played like the main bully, Buddy. Yeah. The real prick. Buddy. The long haired guy. Yeah. He's got very short he looks hair. Looks like now. he's like 32 years old in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> now he's got short hair and he's got kind of like um, kind of a James Hetfield kind of look. Like he was okay. a big dude, like buff. Like he looked, yeah. yeah he looked tough. Uh, but he was really nice. It didn't talk to him a whole lot, but um, something that's kind of funny was when he was going to sign it. Um, I was like, could you sign it in red? I think red would like really pop on this poster. And he's like, oh, I actually don't have red. And then so I was like fumbling with my backpack because I had paint pens. And I was like, I think I got a red. And he's like, oh, you know what? And he looks over at the table next to him. uh, And he's like, "Uh, here's a red marker. I'll just use his because he's not here. Uh, And that guy, that was Malcolm Denaire, the guy that plays Moochie in the movie. He wasn't back yet from the photo op. So Mm -hmm. he quickly grabs his marker and signs it. And then right after that, that guy comes back. So then he, he like quickly put, the marker back on his table and i talked to that guy um for a few minutes the guy played moochie he was really funny uh just a ton of personality he gave the other guy shit for stealing his marker uh (laughs) and then uh as i was like wrapping up with him uh steven tash walks up and he's the other bully in the movie and he's also mainly known as the guy in ghostbusters the original ghostbusters movie the guy that's getting like electric shocks at the beginning of the movie yeah Uh, he walked up so then um i went over to his table and I was chatting with him, and uh, and I was like, could you sign it in red? And he's like, oh, I actually don't have a red marker. And I was like, hold on a second. So I ran <laughs> back over to uh, Malcolm's uh, Malcolm Denaire's table, and I was like, hey, can I borrow this? I'll bring it right back, I promise. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so then uh, Stephen Tash signed it, and I, I told him about my Ghostbusters pinball machine. I was like, oh, man, I should have brought my uh, Translite from that machine. I would have had you sign it. And he's like, oh, that's a really cool game. And he was like, did you know that in Las Vegas, there's a Ghostbusters slot machine that apparently is in like every casino right now and it's super po- super popular. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, I didn't know that. And he's like, yeah, I didn't know that either. And apparently he's like, guests tell me all the time at these shows that a very prominent clip in the slot machine is me getting electrocuted. And it, it was kind of funny. He was like, which got me to thinking, like, I didn't even know this existed. And I'm thinking like as an actor, am I entitled to anything? Like, that's my Probably. likeness. Like, I don't know if I have any rights. And this is kind of sad. He's like, but also at the same time, I'm afraid to ask anyone because you don't want to sound like a greedy prick and like get like blackballed. <laughs> He's like, so it's just one of those things in the I back would, of my mind. Can't he just ask his agent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if he did, but I thought that was kind of funny. He needs to ask his agent because I would assume, I, unless, unless, of course, they paid him for his likeness yeah like when he signed his original contract Contract. in 84 or whatever yeah Yeah, i don't know uh but he was really nice he looked exactly the same just Mm -hmm. instead of his hair like being like kind of like a bird's nest uh Mm -hmm. it was just down and long but he had like the same face like the dude looked exactly the same i know we're not in a visual medium but david's christine poster if you go to our website i'm sure he'll put put some pictures up of it but it is sweet looking like that the only thing that would have made it better is if you could have snuck into John Carpenter's line and got him to sign it. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that, Brett, because uh, later uh, after the show, like uh, it closed at 11. And I was like, you know what? And it was like 1045. I was like, I'm going to sneak up there. Well, not sneak. I'm going to take the escalator upstairs <laughs> just to see if John Carpenter happens to be there. And if he is, is his line long? And can I get in? 
So I get up there. I go up to like, I can see like where his room is marked. There's nobody standing outside of it. I was like, holy shit. And I walked right in and the room was empty. John had left for the evening. (laughs) (laughs) So I did not get him. Well, you know, you bring that up because when we met him in, um, in Steel City Con, we walked by just to see what his line was like because it was a long line earlier in the day. And yeah. when we walked by, nobody was there because he was just coming back from lunch or dinner or something. Something like and that. his line was completely empty and he was sitting in there like by himself with yeah. his hand. and I remembered that. That's why I was like, what are the odds lightning can strike twice? Nope. <laughs> and we didn't get anything gone. from him that time. <laughs> That's, yeah, um, exactly. But, well. Um, something else I was going to tell you that was kind of funny. So after I got Steve and Tash uh, to sign on the poster, I walked kind of to the side and because I had like all my posters and stuff and I was trying to organize my poster tube. So I'm like rolling everything up. And that ugh, took me five, worst. five or ten minutes. And then I was yeah. like, oh, shit. I never gave um, uh, Malcolm Denaire his marker back. It's still sitting at the other guy's table. So like... I ran up there, and uh, uh, Stephen Tash was talking to somebody else. I was like, I'm not going to interrupt. So I went over to the other guy's table, Malcolm Denier, and I was like, hey, man, did you get your marker back? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got my marker back. I had to go over there and get it, though. He's like, you said you'd bring it back. You didn't. I was like, I'm sorry. I forgot. Uh, yeah, and then cool. after that, I just well, walked around a little bit and called it a night and flew out the next morning. Awesome. And then uh, and then as, P- as we're recording this, tomorrow morning, you're going to be driving out to California. Yes, uh, to Pasadena for uh, Monster Palooza. That should be a good show. I'll be there all day uh, the, for the whole show Friday night. I'll probably be there all day Saturday, and then I'm going to drive back on Sunday. And you're going to be meeting some people that, well, one person in particular that we've never met, um, and I'm, I'm quite jealous, is um, uh, Miguel Nunez. Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, who's uh, very famous for Friday the 13th Part 5, the Ooh Baby, Yeah Baby. <laughs> it's those damn enchiladas those damn enchiladas and then also he is in um uh, return of the living dead he's like the survivor guy like well nobody survives i think they all die <laughs> at the end but he's like he's in the whole movie like yeah, he's, yeah. Um, he doesn't he doesn't die early on so uh but and he's also in joanna man yeah. <laughs> fun fact <laughs> but joanna man one sheet but uh, you're gonna get him on our uh, part five uh posters yep and uh, you got my Nightmare on Elm Street 4 poster. You're going to meet a bunch of people from that that you've already met. But you got to meet them on my behalf. <laughs> um, but you got to quickly send those part five posters back to me. Because in August, I'm going to New Jersey for uh, New Jersey Horror Convention. And uh, they are going to have Tiffany Helm and uh shavar ross reggie the reckless himself so we can get those two and then david i got sucked into going back to monster mania going back to maryland bitch about monster mania and its organization (laughs) got you for another one well they sent out something saying that their show in maryland in october is going to have Corey feldman the feld dog is going to be there to get him on our part uh part four and five posters part four and five so my wife is going with me i bought vip tickets so we can cut to the front of the fucking no line lines. on that one and she's gonna have your posters i'm gonna have my posters we're gonna, we're gonna tag team that up she's gonna be your proxy but uh, uh <laughs> oh dude that's funny because the guy i'm going with tomorrow our friend mike is coming with me uh to monster palooza he's gonna be you so i'm giving him <laughs> your posters your bread today a lot of conventions a lot yeah. of fucking conventions. Uh, I, I hope Monster Mania actually announced some more people. And I hope New Jersey gets some more Part 5 people. Because they got uh, people under the stairs people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't have that one sheet. Nor do I really care about getting it. It's actually really kind of expensive. I almost bought one the other day. Um, because I found one that was reasonably priced. But I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't care that much about <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. Besides that, Ving Rhames is in that movie. And there's no way I'm going to get him. You're not going to get him. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, who directed People Under the Stairs? Wes Craven. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Wes Craven then. Nice transition. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. It's actually not that nice because I wanted to say, and then David is going to Europe um, and you'll be there uh, for a couple of weeks. So have fun on your uh, trip to uh, over the pond. Yeah, it should be fun. Chip, chip, cheerio. (laughs) Oh, real quick, before we do uh, Wes Craven, um, one more thing on the subject of John Carpenter. Uh, I did find mm-hmm. that he's doing a private signing, uh, so I'm going to send my uh, 
poster off to get signed. So, oh, you are no line. <laughs> you are going to do that. Yeah. Are you going to do that and uh, send your um, in, uh, <laughs> memoirs of an invisible man? One off I don't to? think I'm going to send that one. David has a memoirs of an invisible man one sheet, and he's like, someday maybe I'll have. He just bought it. You bought it for like pretty cheap, it was like ten dollars. And you're like, someday maybe I'll have enough balls and to have John Carpenter sign it. You have a pretty good idea. You have like an invisible like black. Uh, I have a paint black light. Yeah, it's pen. like a paint pen, but yeah, it writes in glow in the dark like a uh, paint but you can't see yeah. it like it's basically clear until you put it either under a black light or yeah turn off the lights yeah but uh, i thought that would be kind of cool if you did do that yeah whatever and chevy chase does conventions too that's so. true i could get him is daryl hannah the woman in that mm-hmm. movie who's in yeah, that daryl hannah. Yeah, hannah yeah i don't know if you could get her but yeah anyway yes wes craven Wes Craven directed uh, People Under Stairs, and he took a hiatus from horror movies for a while yeah. until 1994 came around, and then he directed Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Ooh, bringing Freddy back. Bringing Freddy back. Um, so that's the movie we're going to talk about. This is the second to last, but last Freddy-only movie Yep, that we have to review. Uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare came out October 14th, 1994. I remember it like it was yesterday, David. Yeah. Because I went to the movie theater. I'll bet you did. On October 14th, 1994. And I saw a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But I did not see Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I saw the number one movie in the country. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you did see Pulp Fiction. Uh, that particular day <laughs> that was that was the number one movie i did see pulp fiction on that day and uh, i had to convince my friends to go see it actually huh. because they were like oh what is it john travolta and i was like yeah i like john travolta it's Fuck you guys yeah vinnie Barbarino and uh, uh greece and look who's talking you ever see look who's talking too <laughs> It's great in that movie. And uh, so they were like, fuck you. But we'll go see the movie. And as we were going in, one of our uh, classmates was coming out. And he came out and he said, you guys, that's the best fucking movie I've ever seen. I'm going to go buy a ticket for the next showing right now. And we walked in. That's cool. And he was not wrong. And I proceeded to see that movie probably five times in the theater over the course of the next few months. This is very good. That was an awesome movie. It was the number one movie in the country. What was the number one song? I'm going with a little slow jam, mm. little boys to men. I'm going, I'll make love to you. David, you are two for two. Look at <laughs> nice. you coming in strong that's, at that's the rare. end here. It's a rare feat. You've done it once before, I think. Uh, you've come close a couple of times, but yes, I'll make love to you like you want me to, David. Mm, and I'll, I'll hold, hold you tight. tight. Baby, all, all through, through the, the night. night. Dude, I think... Uh, the first song I ever slow danced to at like a school dance it wasn't "I'll Make Love to You." They probably couldn't play that. Yeah, uh, but "End of the Road" by Boys to Men. Did you get a? Were you dancing with somebody? Yeah. Did you get a boner? <laughs> no, I think I was terrified and uh, probably dripping with sweat. That's not really a like a song that you want to dance to. Although we've come to the end, I wouldn't slow dance to that. Who would play that song? (laughs) It's like coming to an end of a road. I don't know. It was the end of the dance. It was like the last song of the night. I was like, all right, I got to dance with somebody. (laughs) Boys to Men, I bought that uh, CD. Not that one that I'll Make Love to You is on, but the like Cooley High Harmony CD. Cooley High Harmony? Yeah. Yeah. With Motown Philly? Oh, I used to play that all the time. Mm. It was like one of the first CDs I bought. That song was The first 10 yeah, got heavy rotation. Um, written by Wes Craven's New Nightmare was, of course, written and directed by Wes Craven with music by J. Peter Robinson and produced by Marianne Madalena. This movie stars a bunch of people as themselves. Heather Langenkamp plays herself and also Nancy Thompson. Robert England plays himself, also is credited as the entity. Mm. And uh, uh, and Freddy, he plays Freddy Krueger. Miko Hughes uh, doesn't play himself. He plays Dylan Porter. <laughs> which is Heather Langenkamp's son uh, in the movie. John Saxon plays himself and uh, Donald Thompson, uh, Nancy's dad. Wes Craven as himself, Robert Shea as himself, Marianne Madalena as herself, W. Earl Brown, the camera guy from Scream. I saw that. Kenny the cameraman. Kenny the cameraman. He plays the morgue attendant. Uh, Lynn Shea. She's Dude. back. She was a 
I thought this was a weird choice. Like they brought her back as a nurse, but like everyone else that was in the previous movies is playing themselves. Like that was yeah. weird. I think it's because she had such a small part in the first movie. She was like a teacher, right? right. And she was actually, she wanted, from what I read, she was happy to come back in a small role. I'm sure. It's kind of yeah, like just to be just in a it. nurse. It's cool. Just kind of like in the background. Uh, a couple other people in the background, Nick Corey, who played, um, what was his fucking oh, name? Oh, yeah. Rod from the first one. Rod. Yeah, he's in the funeral scene. Tuesday night, I think, same thing. Tuesday night, she plays herself. They're in the funeral scene. Uh, Nick Corey, yeah, Rod from the first movie. Uh, he's the guy who gets, he's like the rebel. Yeah. Up yours with a twirling lawnmower. That guy. And then Tuesday night plays, she played Kristen in part four. She took over the role from Patricia Arquette, but she plays herself at the funeral as well. Spoiler alert, there's a funeral. <laughs> Runtime of this movie, 112 minutes with a budget of $8 million. David, what is the box office? Uh, $8 million. I'll go like 15 $19.8 million. Okay. Just facts, 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 just facts, 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 just facts, man. All right, got a couple of facts about this movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, this movie, this movie actually was written under a working title. This is strictly from Wikipedia, so blame Wikipedia if all of this <laughs> is wrong. Uh, it was under a working title of Nightmare on Elm Street 7, The Ascension. And Wes Craven originally wanted to write this as like part three. Like when, I think they approached him for part three and like he had this whole idea to do a cerebral kind of mm. uh, Freddy movie and they went like, a different now. direction. Part three is my favorite. Yeah, um, mine I too. Think it, I think it's the best. I thought four was your favorite. No, I, I like four. Uh, I've got a soft spot for that one. I think it's a lot of fun, but I think three is the, the better movie. The better film. Yeah, I think part three is actually the best yeah. Nightmare on Elm Same. Street movie. I'm okay with that being made instead of this, but I understand what he was trying to do. And it was kind of enhanced even more because after part three, part four a little bit, but definitely into part five and part six, it starts going batshit crazy. It gets goofy. Freddy becomes funny. They start making uh, talking Freddy dolls for people. Freddy becomes like this pop culture icon after part three and he, everybody likes him. He's supposed to be a scary character, right. and now everybody's got, like, uh, squirt guns with Freddy's face on it and fucking <laughs> dolls and shit like that. It's just, he, he's a child killer. Right, like, yeah. We need to remember that. And and in, in the original Inception, he was a child molester. So, anyway, so that's what Craven kind of wanted to do, is he wanted to go back... Um, and do something that he had more imagined what Freddy Krueger yeah, was. Yeah, more and, serious Freddy. And they actually changed his makeup and outfit and glove in this movie because of that. Because he wanted to differentiate him from the comical Freddy that he'd become. Now, if you remember in Nightmare on Elm Street 1, Freddy is fucked up looking. Like, that's probably my favorite look of as far Freddy as the, makeup? the first one. Yeah. Because he looks burnt. He looks like a burnt guy. They kind of clean him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. The glove is really raw and like it's busted because it b broke on set and they just welded it back together and all that kind of shit, right? But this makeup wise, I I think the makeup for this Freddy version and the glove I think is fucking phenomenal. It's pretty cool. They got him in a trench coat. Yeah, his fedora is a little different. He's just very he's darker looking. Yeah, he's very dark looking. Yep, exactly. And Freddy Krueger is actually credited as being played by himself. <laughs> in this movie so there's earthquake scenes in this movie they were already written into the script and it just so happens that in 1994 when they were filming this the northridge earthquake actually hit los angeles i heard about that so they were able to use some actual shots footage. right of yeah of things yeah. that had been so, destroyed people's damage becomes uh their money saving endeavor they didn't have to <laughs> build sets <laughs> wes craven did want to ask johnny depp to be in the film but got too shy <laughs> Which didn't. is dumb because he was in part six. That's true, but Wes Craven had nothing to do with that. Still, though, it's like, dude, he did Freddy's Dead. Although, in the time between, though, uh, Johnny Depp's stardom had also changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they ran they ran into each other, and Johnny Depp was like, yeah, I totally would have done it. Don't. You should ask me. So, uh, in the, the film's opening weekend, they got $6.6 .6 million, uh, ranking third in the box office. It did open against Pulp Fiction, as we stated, which probably fucking hurt them. Yeah, I'm sure. 
not that Pulp Fiction is a horror movie, but I would imagine, well, it was, it's one of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion. So a, a lot of fandom is going to cross over. Like people are going to go see that movie. Yeah. And I'm sure also, uh, it couldn't have been helped by the fact that part six was fucking dog shit. Yeah, and this movie made $19.8 million worldwide, making it the poorest performing That's sad. Nightmare on Elm Street movie ever. That's it for the facts. Let's talk about the plot. We already talked about a little bit of it, that uh, everybody kind of plays themselves, and, and this is a more cerebral and dark vision. And and honestly, David, there's not a lot to... I mean, there's a lot to this movie. It's 112 minutes long <laughs> of a lot of stuff, but the basic story is that Heather Langenkamp is the star yeah she was in a nightmare on elm street <laughs> yeah everything is pretty much like it is in real life um and she is getting harassed by an unknown person that keeps calling her like a stalker type also having dreams nightmares if you will about freddie and that kind of mixed together makes her a little bit paranoid a little bit whatever and wes craven is writing a new movie because his nightmares are back yeah, he feels quote unquote inspired. Yep. And so Bob Shea, playing himself, asks uh, Heather if she'll come back and reprise her role of Nancy, to which she says, uh, Well, I thought they killed Freddie off. No, Wes. <laughs> He's like, Oh, well, you know how movies work, Nancy. I mean, Heather. <laughs> Wes has a new vision. And yeah. he's writing the script and he's writing the script as the movie's going on. And when we see the pages, it's like the pages that just happened in the movie. And it's the exact lines of the movie. It's very like meta. Yeah. Like there's a scene where Wes Craven and Heather Langenkamp have a conversation and then the camera kind of lingers on Wes's computer and it has the exact words that they just said. Yep. And so he writes this whole movie and basically what we find out, and I'm going to, I'm going to skip around here and we can go back and talk about some high points here, David. But basically what we find out is that Wes Craven, the character of Freddie actually came to Wes Craven back 10 years prior and he wrote about it and it's an evil spirit, an ancient evil spirit. Yeah. Almost like a demon. Yeah. And it's manifested itself now as this Freddie character. And because they were making movies, it kind of subsided, but it's back now and it's haunting Wes Craven again. And so he's writing about it and he's writing its ultimate demise. And Heather Langenkamp has to reprise her role as Nancy. Like she killed Freddie in the original movie. She's killing this entity. Yeah. And it's kind of like, Hey, we got to work together to get through this. Like I got to keep writing, mm -hmm. but you basically got to play Nancy one more time. Yep. And she does. But but it's for real. She does. And this entity is actually haunting her kid, which is Miko Hughes, and causing him all sorts of fucking fucked up problems. And she goes into the quote unquote dream world once again and um, vanquishes the entity once and for all. That's the story of the movie in a nutshell. Yeah. There's a couple of good scenes in this movie i love the opening scene i the opening scene is awesome like it's very much like the original film like we see uh you know the glove and like hammer and all this stuff like a glove is being made mm -hmm. which is kind of a cool little homage and it ends up all being her dream um but the glove like comes yeah. to life but but i like how even before it's set up as a dream like at first we're like oh this is like the opening freddy scene and then we see like freddy we don't see his whole body we see him like chop off his own hand mm -hmm. it's like oh jesus and then all of a sudden the glove just goes ape shit and then we kind of zoom out and we're on a movie set and they're making like a freddy uh, a nightmare on elm street type movie and the glove is just flying around killing people yeah and uh heather langenkamp in real life too her and her husband own a special effects uh company or they yeah. used to i don't know if they still do but her movie husband is the guy who created the glove and whatnot so she wakes up from this nightmare and her husband uh chase in the movie he's like uh they get woken up by this earthquake right there's a there's a theme of the, these earthquakes that are, that are happening and it's basically the entity that's causing these earthquakes right mm -hmm. like like fucking he's gonna suck everybody into hell or some shit but um they get woken up by this earthquake not uncommon in california and uh, her husband actually has an injured hand, which she saw in her dream. So she's like, how did you get that? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah, he's like, I must have cut it on some glass. We just had a fucking earthquake. Yeah. But he goes off, like, like I said, he's got special effects uh, company. He goes off to do a job in Palm Springs. 
and that's when Dylan, the, the their kid, starts fucking convulsing, having some problems and stuff. And so she calls Chase, and she's like, "Hey, you got to come home." And he's like, "All right, I'll be home." And as he's driving home, he falls asleep, and Freddy fucking attacks him in his dreams or I don't know if he's dreaming, if it's real life. I, it's kind of like ambiguous because yes, he does fall asleep. Like, but I didn't know, I didn't know if it was like a dream or not. I'm assuming it was right. And we find out that, uh, Heather, like Langer camp around this time finds out that this movie is being made and that her husband's been hired to make the glove. And she's like, why didn't he tell me yeah. that? But yeah, he's kind of falling asleep at the wheel and all of a sudden the glove comes alive and, Kills yeah, him. and it like slashes his chest, and this is a fucked up scene that I. Uh, this is where uh, that uh, uh, W uh, Emmett, yeah, yeah, uh, or Earl w. Brown. Earl Brown, excuse me, uh, has his scene because she goes and she's like, "I want to see the body," and she like just walks into the fucking morgue as they're like <laughs> slicing bodies apart. Yeah, but she looks at her husband. Yeah, and he just pulls back the the face or the the blanket over the face, and he's like, "Is this him?" And she's like, "I need to see it again," and he's like, "Okay," and he shows again, and she's like. Show me more. And he's like, show uh, me his dick. <laughs> That's how I could tell if it's my yeah, husband. Yeah, go all the way around to that. No. He's got a really funny looking dick. I'll be able to spot him right away if it's him. And it's really small. Like, really. Like, we don't even have he's sex. He's like, just trust me. You don't need to see this lady. It hooks very far to the left. He's like, my left or your left? <laughs> because it might not be my husband. That's going to make a difference. <laughs> no, but she just sees his chest and he's got like four claw marks down his chest. Yeah. And she's like, what the hell happened? And he's like, well, she was, he was in a car accident. What do you expect? Yeah. I don't know. Like his face to be bashed in, not claw marks. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> That's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so he's dead. So Wes Craven wrote uh, Chase's death. Well, thanks, Wes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, asshole. <laughs> they have this funeral. This is the funeral scene where we see like cast members from the past and this is actually where we first see Wes Craven in the movie and she, and John Saxon which I got a little sad I know Wes Craven's passed away and it's been a long time but I got sad about John Saxon only because yeah it's still fairly recent it's fairly recent and I know that he kind of had dementia towards the end of his life not kind yeah, of I believe rough. he had dementia towards the end of his life and so uh, yes Wes Craven dying is sad as well and I know I've talked a lot of shit about Wes Craven, and it's not that I dislike Wes Craven as a person or even as a director. I just don't think he's like the master of horror that everybody says that he is. Right. That's just my personal opinion. Anyhow, uh, she like has a dream while she's at the funeral where she like climbs down into the casket and gets sucked down into hell, and she sees Freddy. Well, Freddy's got her son like pulling him into the casket. Yeah, and she's like, no, no, yeah, and she gets pulled. She in. gets pulled in, and she. This is like where she first comes face to face with his face, Freddie's face, because we had seen the glove, we had seen whatever, and he's like, oh, remember me or some shit like that. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Robert England has a little role, not a little role. He's got a pretty prominent role in this as himself, and he comes out. She's at a talk show, like getting interviewed, and he comes out as Freddie, <laughs> and she kind of gets freaked out by it. But I also like in that movie, in this movie where like afterwards there's like a bunch of, there's a crowd asking for Robert England's autograph. Right. And I'm like, that's a hundred dollars a pop, Robert. (laughs) Yeah. I know what you charge. (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) Times were different back in 94. You could get Robert England's Mm -hmm. autograph for free. He talks to to Nancy, he talks to Heather and is like, hey, let's, you know, let's do this script. You know, Wes is whatever. Let's let's work together again. Yada, yada, yada. She ends up calling him later on after her husband is dead. And she's like, hey, I need to meet up with you because I need to talk to you. She wants to talk to him about what's going on in her life. You know, and he's like, yeah, I really can't do that right now. Now's not a good time. And he hangs up. And Robert England is an artist. Um, and yeah. he's like painting and we finally see what he's painting and it's like all these souls and it's like Freddy and it's like a, it's like a fucked up Freddy painting fucked up Freddy painting and you can tell he's concerned yeah. like he's having nightmares too yeah and it's so much so that him and his wife uh, leave town because she calls him again later and it's like this is Robert uh, we've left town we probably won't be back for a while peace <laughs> which I thought was kind of weird from a plot perspective like Robert England just disappears I mean we still get Freddy, but Robert England as himself, yeah. like about halfway through the the movie, just dips. Yeah, that's true. Dylan is all fucked up. Like he's having nightmares. He's talking. He's walking in his sleep. He's watching the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie on TV. And Heather's like, uh, "You should." And the TV's not plugged in. <laughs> yeah, the TV's not plugged in. There's something wrong here. 
Uh, they get somebody to look at that. He's foaming at the mouth. The phone rings. It's this prank caller again, and there's foam coming out of the phone. I'm like, the phone. <laughs> there's some shit going on here. She ends up taking Dylan to a hospital, and there's this doctor who's like, you're she's thinking there's child abuse going on because she sees or, yeah something's up she sees heather's got and, and she knows who she is uh, and she's like is your son is he allowed to watch your movies and she kind of ducks the question yeah. and she sees that heather has like cuts on her arm maybe she thinks that heather is cutting herself and abusing her husband especially because or not yeah. abusing her husband abusing her son because her husband just died so she's the the nurse the doctor is suspecting all the stuff which a doctor would do and is required yeah. by law to call the cops and i do like that uh, when she's asking her like you know is your kid seen the or is he allowed to watch your movie she's like every kid in the world knows who freddy krueger is mm-hmm. yeah it is to your point earlier, like he had become kind of larger than life and more of a pop culture icon. Well, and David, think back to when you were a kid, because I know your parents were, you know, let you watch some movies, but some they didn't. And I remember I wasn't allowed to watch the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but I knew who Freddy Krueger was. And I had like I was Freddy Krueger for Halloween one year. I'd never seen any of his movies, yeah. but yeah, I was him and I thought he was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You've not seen, <laughs> you hadn't seen a single fucking movie and you were Freddy Krueger. Nope total poser when when did you first see because uh nightmare on Elm street 4 was the first one you saw that was the first one i saw and that probably would have been like early 90s wow yeah i, I would say it was after like the first six came out but it would have been before new nightmare yeah. and you just started with four because you were just like fuck it four looks good no because i was spending the night at a friend's house and he had hbo or something and that's the one that was on oh, okay so like, yeah we're gonna watch this and did you like get a boner right away for it were you like i love this fucking movie this is the greatest movie ever made i did really like it i was like all right i need to see more of these this movie's it fun lived up to your expectations yeah definitely well, that's good god yeah. forbid the first one you watched would have been freddy's dead because then you would have been like, yeah, what the like, fuck is this? <laughs> Even part two, because I, I like part two. I know you like part two, but if the first one you would have watched would have been part two. Uh, yeah, part two, it's okay. <laughs> but it's better than like yeah. five. It's better than six. Two and five to me are kind of on the same level of shittiness. You're nuts. Freddy's barely even in part two. It's okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you would have seen it as a kid, you wouldn't have liked it. But as an adult now, you can appreciate it. As an adult, I probably prefer part two to part five, yes. Yeah. All right, so the the doctor, she calls the cops. The cops come. They kind of detain her a little bit, which I'm like, "Mm, yeah, I guess they would question her, but they really have nothing. Like, they just have, like, they got to just talk to her a little bit. But the kid, Dylan, he's over in um, a room, and they're going to give him a sedative. He's in a room with the babysitter, Julie. Yeah, Julie's this babysitter, and the nurses are trying to give him a sedative. And Heather had said, don't let them do that, because don't fall asleep, right? Yeah, and earlier they had even given him pills, which he hid underneath his pillow. Yeah. So they're going to give him a shot sedative, and they trick the babysitter, because the babysitter's like, no, his mom said no, and they end up doing it anyway. And I'm like, that's fucking illegal. That, yeah, that's <laughs> fucked up. It's highly <laughs> illegal, by the way. Uh, if if me as a parent, if I said, no, you're not giving him, plus, wh- what if she's like, no, because he's allergic to that and he could exactly. die? Exactly. But the nurse is like super cocky about it, kind of like, oops. What yeah. are you going to do now? Yeah, and she's like, oh, I'm going to fucking punch you. <laughs> what, are you going to die about it? <laughs> so she ends up, like, punching the nurses. The nurses, like, run away, but uh, F- Freddy comes. And this is, like, Rod's death in part one because... Or Tina. Uh, Tina's death, excuse me. Tina's death in part one because she's, like, getting dragged across the ceiling and Freddy... Yeah, it's and- pretty awesome. Only uh, Dylan can see Freddy until all of a sudden uh, Julie, the babysitter, is about ready to die. And then she sees Freddy and she's like, run. <laughs> um, so Dylan runs. And uh, earlier on, Heather had said, our house is right across that freeway there. You'll be home in no time. Well, he in his little kid mind, he's like, oh, I just got to go across the freeway. Uh-oh. So he starts walking across the freeway. Heather calls. She gets away and she realizes Freddie. And then the whole the doctor and all the nurses are like, what the fuck happened? Oh, I didn't realize. And she's like, I tried to tell you fuckers that there yeah, was there blood all over the ceiling. <laughs> um, and, and the nurses even saw Julie's body getting dragged across the ceiling. Yeah, like that ain't normal. <laughs> you have to have her checked out. So Heather's like, he's running across the freeway. I know my son. And so she goes chasing after him and calls up uh, John Saxon in the process. And she's like, you got to help me get my son, da-da-da-da-da. 
And so uh, she hangs up with him and she goes to the freeway and this little fucker is crossing the freeway. It's LA traffic, right? <laughs> it's like a, like a game of Frogger. Yeah. Uh, it's like this Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the arcade game. <laughs> um, but anyway, a giant claw comes out of nowhere and like picks him up and like carries him across. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this world? <laughs> this movie that was nice just- of you, Freddy. This movie just took a fucking left turn when it should have taken a right. Um, but he gets him across the street. Heather gets across the street. John Saxon shows up at the house. And all of a sudden, John Saxon's like, Heather, everything's fine. And the house is different. Did you notice that too? Like the house is now the house from part one. Yeah. And then he starts calling her Nancy. Yeah. And she's like, why are you calling me Nancy, John? And he's like, why are you calling me John? <laughs> Yeah, and sure enough, a, she looks and she's even wearing her clothes from the yeah. first movie. And she ends up finally calling him dad. She's like, I got what I have to do. I have to become yeah. Nancy. So she calls him dad. He ends up leaving and she goes and searches for uh, Fred Krueger. And there's this ongoing theme throughout the movie of Hansel and Gretel. Yes, yes, with the breadcrumbs. Yeah, and so she sees the pills that Dylan had left for her that he had yeah, not the sleeping taken. pills. And she starts overdosing on fucking I was going to say, like, I was wondering, she's like, what's the recommended dosage on these? She's popping them like Tic Tacs. <laughs> uh, Heather Langenkamp's character died of an Dies OD. of a drug overdose. <laughs> the whole world the blows end. up. The end. <laughs> no, but she goes into the dream world uh, like you would if you fucking take that many fucking <laughs> no do- or not the opposite of no-dose, right? So she takes all that and she goes into the dream world and uh, she finds Dylan. And then Freddy comes out. Fight! Yeah, they fight. And then they're in like this hell, like boiler room It's like a furnace or something. Yeah. And Freddy's like going to eat Dylan. Yeah. And he chases him into a furnace. Like, okay, again, the Hansel and Gretel type thing, right? Mm -hmm. He chases him into a furnace and Dylan double backs to get to Heather and they push Freddy in and light the furnace. And it's really kind of an anticlimactic death. It really is. Like when he, when they kill him, I was like, that's it. Yep. They kill him and his face turns into like a demon for like a quick millisecond. Yeah. But it's a weird showdown. Cause he's got like a tongue made of taffy that like wraps around her neck and stuff. Yeah. And then Dylan like stabs it. And yeah. And they stab him and then push him into the furnace. He's all, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> And then uh, they come out. They wake up and they're home. Yep. And he's like, and she finds the script. And in the script inside, it's a note from Wes. He says, thanks for, uh, dear Nancy, thanks for playing, or dear Heather, Heather. thanks for playing Nancy one last time. Yada, yada, yada. Regards. (laughs) Wes. Best regards, Wes. (laughs) And then uh, Dylan's like, what's that, mommy? Will you read it to me? And she starts reading the script from page one, which is the same scene that David uh, described earlier with the guy hammering. It's the same. It's the beginning of the movie. Right. What if it all just happened again? Oh, I would probably pull my fucking eyeballs out of there. I got to stop reading this. (laughs) Um, That's the movie. Yeah. Now I had seen this movie before, but Mm -hmm. I waited a while to see it. Like, I didn't see it until just a few years ago. We had been doing the podcast the first time oh, really? I actually okay. saw it. And I didn't like it. And I remember you had told me, like, oh, no, I really like it. It's like the precursor to Scream, you know, like Wes Craven did this whole meta thing and is kind of self-referential, kind of like Scream is. And so I watched it, and I was like, well, this isn't really that good. But I watched it again. Yeah. Obviously, for the podcast. <laughs> and it was better this time. Good. Here's where the movie, what the movie suffers from, though. It's too fucking long. It's almost two hours long. It's long. Yeah. It's about 25 minutes too long. And we don't even get, I actually wrote down the timestamp. We don't get our first full-blown Freddy Krueger scene. Like, we get little glimpses of him, and, like, we see his face, and we see different parts of him. But, like, our first scene with Freddy happens about an hour and eight minutes into the movie. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Although it's not a quote-unquote Freddy movie, it's a movie about this demon who just takes the whatever. But people don't want to see that shit, Wes. That's why this movie didn't make money. It wasn't because part six sucked. Yeah. Well, they even say like in this movie, like oh, they're like, are they going to do another one? And I think it's Bob Shea or maybe the woman that worked, I can't remember her name. But she's like, ah, oh, you know, the, the kids... 
the kids love Freddy. We got to bring him back. And I was like, yes, then we need more Freddy in this movie. Exactly. And maybe that was what Wes was kind of saying in this movie. is like, oh, the kids love Freddy, but I'm not going to give you him. Like, he probably didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. Um, which I understand. I understand the concept behind it. It's very meta. It's very self-referential, like I just said. But I wanted more Freddy. I wanted more kills. I wanted better kills. Yeah, and that's my biggest concern, or concern, but like one of my biggest gripes <laughs> is that the kills aren't particularly interesting. Like the no. best scene is kill wise is the very first, like the opening scene. Like all the other movies, we get like very creative things. Like you get the cockroach thing and the the needle glove and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. nothing like that. Uh, it's not as imaginative uh, with the kills as the other ones are. No, and I could see that being justified in the sense that he wanted to bring some realism to it instead of the, that. But at the same time, we get an ending that's fucking cheesy as shit. Yeah. It's this whole Hansel and Gretel, like, fucking uh, kicked into the furnace type stuff. Well, and I think, um, too, because he wanted to get away from the jokey, jokey Freddy Krueger, which I actually appreciate. Uh, I thought towards the yeah. end it got a bit ridiculous with all the one-liners. Yeah. Like, I liked the approach of having a serious Freddy, but that, I think, could have given license to very serious, brutal, nasty kills. Yeah, I, I agree. And and if you go back to the first movie, you know, you just just quickly go back to what you just said about uh, not being a lot of Freddy and me saying that as well. If you go back to the first movie, there's not yeah, a lot of Freddy in, either. Yeah, he's got very little screen time. It's like 13 minutes, I think, yeah. uh, in total. Uh, if that, it might be eight. But regardless, I, I this is 10 years removed from that first movie. I think we know what the audience wants to see. They want to see Freddy. They want to see good kills. Not necessarily funny, like punny joke kills but like good creative kills right. um which again we got in scream that Wes craven directed now Wes craven didn't write that shit though Wes craven wrote Wes craven's new nightmare kevin williamson wrote scream so kevin williamson deserves the credit for that one i enjoyed it for what it was but i didn't enjoy it enough to be like oh this is such a great fucking uh nightmare on elm street movie <laughs> um and i also enjoyed the actors playing themselves like i thought that was yeah me too that was pretty pretty fun but i'm going to give this movie two pamela Voorhees heads two it's the same i gave part two. Oh wow so you put this on the same level as part two interesting uh, i like this one a lot more than part two i rather enjoy part two i can watch part two and like uh i i i like it and i like this one too but I also understand that part two isn't a great movie, and I understand that this isn't a great movie, but I would put them on the same level of movies that I would watch. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I went a little higher. I give this one a three, um, because just kind of thinking of my own stack ranking, like to me, three is the superior, uh, it's the best one, and then part one, and then I'd probably, to me, part four and this one are close. I'd probably give a slight edge to part four just because I think it's more fun. And I'd put this one next, and then I think then two, five, and six. So I had to look and see like what I actually rated those. So I would rate this above uh, two and five. Like I gave two one and a half. I gave five one and a half. Uh, and I feel like this one is better than both of those. But and and I would recommend people see it, uh, especially if you like the uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So it's a three for me. Yeah, I mean two and a half overall. That's that's probably about right and I, I would think that you are correct maybe this gets a little bit of the edge over part two i guess it just depends on what i'm feeling at any yeah. particular time it's definitely different and part two is definitely different so if you want freddy haha freddy you need to watch three four and five yep if you want good and six like, dark, with less hahas because it's just not funny it's just six stupid. just sucks so six don't watch awful. six six is awful so three four five if you want like the freddy haha like that we love but if you want a darker freddy one two and and this one agree seven i guess yep. uh would be the way to go so that's wes craven's new nightmare now this isn't the last time we see freddy on film this isn't the last time that robert england will play freddy because he will play him again in uh freddy versus jason that being said, Robert England just came out, I think it was yesterday in our timeline, and said, I will not be playing Freddy Krueger any longer. Yeah, he's like, I'm old. <laughs> I have arthritis and I don't I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. So we will not be seeing Robert England. I mean, never say never, right? You know? Yeah, money talks, but it doesn't sound money like talks. he's gonna do it. <laughs> 
But I guess if the if the role was right, here's what I could see happening, David. And, and you play along with me here real quick. Let's uh, do a little brainstorming session. I could see him coming back just like neck up, Freddie makeup, glove on as a, a cameo in a Freddie movie that passes the torch to someone else possibly. Yeah, or even like a... Um like in the new Halloween movies, like how Nick Castle is in all of them for like a shot. Yeah. The thing about that though, is that he wears a mask. So anybody yeah, yeah. can be under the mask. Um, the thing that people like about Freddy Krueger is Robert England. There's an actor under there. <laughs> yeah. And it's his comic timing. And it's also his, um, I remember I th- it must've been in one of these documentaries, but where he was almost like got the, oh like the body language and yeah yeah and how he like took it seriously and he was like i i almost patterned him after like a gunslinger gunslinger because the glove is a little heavy so his one shoulder droops a little bit yeah yeah so i i don't know like i could see him doing something but again like passing the torch to another person becoming like a indiana jones kind of passing the torch (laughs) to this new indiana jones uh lady but i heard that movie sucks i've also heard it's not good which is a bummer the dial of destiny yeah Mm. they've really they really have fucked up the legacy of i'm still gonna see it though well of course i'm gonna see it i'm not (laughs) i'm not opposed to watching it but Anyhow, back to this. Uh, something will happen with Freddy Krueger in the in the future. I you can almost guarantee that he the character Freddy Krueger will be back. Oh yeah, in some there's too much money way, on the table. Yeah, yeah. Because again, it goes back to the whole Jason Voorhees. It's like you want to make money. It's exactly. like printing money. Well, I know Robert England actually has suggested on more than one occasion that he wants Kevin Bacon. I think he'd be he'd make a good Freddy, which I don't disagree. But uh, Kevin Bacon's no spring chicken either. No, he's like sixty five <laughs> years old at this point. Yeah, it's like you got to get. I mean, if you want to have like a lasting franchise thing, you probably need to get somebody a little younger. Although, if you're Kevin Bacon, you're like, yeah, let's do this. Let's let's fucking film me in some makeup right now because. Uh, I was in a Friday the 13th movie. Now I can be in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I've done a bunch of other horror movies. Like Kevin Bacon is low-key like one of the yeah. uh, horror icon men uh, if you look at all the movies that he's done. Yeah, he's done a lot. He's done a lot. So that's our ranking for Wes Craven's new Nightmare 2.5. Stay tuned next week. Because <gasps> next week's our last episode. I know. David. It's crazy. For the time being, we'll see where, where things we'll go, but it's it's what we're qualifying as our last episode of this run. It's episode 250. Uh, we will be reviewing uh, Freddy versus Jason. This is the That'll be the last Freddy movie we need to do and the last Jason movie that we need to do. Dude, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I haven't watched Freddy versus Jason in a long time. I It's been a couple years for me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it as well. And I would request this. If you are listening to us right now, and I know there's people out there who listen to us because I see that happen. We have access to statistics. <laughs> uh, you can call us, and David will give you the number here in just a second. Well, David, why don't you just give him the number right now? Sure. It's 623-282-1851. So you can call us and leave a voicemail message. Any of your thoughts. If you want to say, you guys are assholes. Uh, I, I only listen to you so I can I fucking hate listen to you if you want to say how much you love us if you want to say anything no one's going to answer that phone it'll just go to a voicemail you'll hear David's lovely voice probably say hey you've reached the swear wolves leave us a message um, but we'd love to hear from you or you can email us David what's our email that address contact at the swearwolves.com and anything you write us we'll be more than happy we want to read so for our last episode uh by the when this comes out we won't have recorded it yet because we're going to do that one quick turnaround time because mr fucking worldwide over here has to (laughs) uh come back from his trip before we can record this so we're going to record that one just a couple days before it comes out so that'll actually be kind of cool yeah it would be kind of anticlimactic for us like here's something we recorded three weeks ago (laughs) enjoy (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, leave us a message, uh, whether it's vocally 
through our uh, answering machine or uh, answering machine. Who has a fucking like we're like, I'm glad you called, but I'm not <laughs> home. I'll be home before too long. You got to wait for the beep. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't have an answering machine. It's a voicemail there. That's what the word is, Brett. Or uh, through uh, our email. Just contact us some way. Tell us what you think of us. And uh, and we'll love to, to read that and talk about that during the last episode but that puts a cap on this episode 249 oh the end is so close <laughs> it is nigh it is nigh my friend <laughs> uh so for the swear wolves this week i'm brett i'm david and we'll see you in your dreams mm, mm. your wet dreams as well mm-hmm. all right let's just do this let's yep. get this we'll get this going jump right in oh man that smells fuck it fuck it we'll do it live david <laughs> i'll write it and we'll do it live <laughs> dude it's a good thing uh we don't have the cameras on so i'm not making a face that you can tell i'm smelling a rancid fart <laughs> that's pungent